Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. Today, Diane Olson is back on the podcast to help us explore who is the transitioning child. So this is the six-year-old, the nine-year-old, and the 12-year-old specific to our work in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And how can we best serve this child in our atria? I hope you enjoy. Diane Olson, welcome back to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Thank you, Carrie. It's always fun to chat with you here. It is always fun to chat with you. I enjoy having you. Um, So in case anybody hasn't heard the past episodes that you have joined us on the podcast, tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, my name is Diane Olson. I live in Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, For the past 23 years, I coordinated a CGS program at Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Lenexa, Kansas. Just retired last October. But I've been a catechist since my youngest was three months old, and he is now 32, 33. So I've been really blessed to be in the atrium listening to God with children for a long time and just treasure that part of my life. It's been a huge gift. Isn't it nice when you have one child who's like your gauge for something yes. like that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember taking him. He was three months old when I went to my formation and I thought, I hope it's okay I bring him. And I remember walking in and Tina Lillig was sitting behind the desk at the welcome area and she said, uh, right away, she says, I'm so glad you brought your baby mm. and that's what our work is all about. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is a great place. <laughs> yeah. This is where I belong. That's right. These are my people. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. And it's proven to be true. Yes. And you've also done the MAPS course, the Masters at Aquinas. Is that right? I have. I was in the first group. We were the guinea pigs. And uh, yeah, it was a tremendous experience. I really went into it thinking, I wasn't sure what I would use it for. So I thought, I'm just going to do this for me. Yeah, And when I was done with it, I realized that I had learned all these marvelous things in CGS and they felt like they were all floating out in the ether somewhere. And after <laughs> my MAP CGS, I, it felt like it, it all came together in these mm. organized, systematic ways. And I knew how to talk about them. And what a gift. It's just what a tremendous experience. I, I really, really loved it. And of course, the people and the, the professors were amazing. So um, it was a great experience for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you're also a formation leader for level one and level two. Yes, I am. And that is a surprise. I never thought I was interested in working with adults. I really love children. But when I saw on the faces of the adults, the same reaction I saw on the kids after a presentation, I thought, oh, my goodness, this this speaks to everybody. So how could I say no? And um, I still plan on doing formation as as I'm asked uh, in my retirement because I just enjoy it so much. Yeah. Yeah. And you're very good at it. I've been blessed yeah. to be on the benefiting end of that. So I appreciate oh. your, well, thank your you. gifts. Yeah. God is so good to us, isn't he? Oh. Yes. Yes. So I'm excited about this topic. I feel like it's um, a little unique. So I'm. So we're going to talk about this transitioning child. So mm-hmm. this we t- we've talked in the podcast before about the planes of development, but I think we need to just quickly explain what that is so that it can be a foundation for our conversation. So Mm -hmm. if you want to just dive into the planes of development and what this, who is this transitioning child? Like, what does that mean? Yes. I I looked on my um, shelf in my 
library collection of catechesis of the Good Shepherd <laughs> books and pamphlets and everything. And I found this from AMI, this booklet, The Four Planes of Education, Dr. Maria Montessori, edited by Mario. And I thought, perfect. So I read it. I hadn't read it in a while. And it was very great to be able to go over it again. But I think one of the things I love about the way they describe the four planes is that they're like the four stages of a butterfly. So each is unique. Mm. The four stages of the butterfly, the egg, the, the larva or the caterpillar, the pupa or the chrysalis, and then the adult butterfly. Mm -hmm. If you think of those, even visually, they are all completely different. And I think when we look at the growing child, we always think, oh, that's Sam or that's Andrea. You know, <laughs> right. we don't realize that they too are changing. Every human person goes into these four planes of development and has these incredible incredible stages of growth that are very different from one another. So I really like that visual of the four stages of the butterfly. It really helps yeah, me think yeah. about what's going on. Yeah, I like that too. So we're talking about the first plane being zero to six, mm -hmm. typically, typically. Yeah. Because there, there can be some wiggle room in this. Right, right. You need parameters just to be able to talk about it. So yeah. that's how Montessori decided to... Uh, delineate it zero to six and then six to 12, 12 to 18 and 18 to 24 years. Yeah. But you're right. There's a little bit of wiggle room in the six, a little bit of wiggle room, even in the nine, even in the 12, even in the three, you know, <laughs> it's right. really, it's, uh, it depends on how the, each unique, you know, growth of the person takes place. So, right. Right. And then within each plane, there's kind of What's the what's the word for the right in the middle that Montessori uses? I want to say apex, but I don't think that's the word she uses. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it's drawn like a triangle with the, right. the point being in the middle. And uh, I always think of the shaded part on the left. And then if you split that triangle in half, that she shades the left part and the, the right part is clearer. And she says that that first half of the plane is the people are collecting data. They're just experiencing and collecting and experiencing and collecting. And then the second half is when they organize and consolidate the skills and the knowledge they've gained, and then it helps them to use it to their own personal needs. So right. that, that point again, though, like you said, it's this transition, but it's not, you know, exactly on your third birthday or exactly right. on your ninth birthday. <laughs> right. When you're ready, it happens. You wake up one day and and you're different. Right. So right around three, right around six, right around nine, right around 12. Mm -hmm. And that's as far as we'll go, because that's as far as we go right now. <laughs> and that's plenty. <laughs> that's plenty. There's there's kind of some shifts in a child mm -hmm. that when you educate yourself to see them, you, you start to notice them. But in the atrium, that's when a child will move from one atrium to another. Mm -hmm. Again, mm -hmm. variably. Right. You know, like when a child is ready. I think it's really important for us to point out that moving from one plane to another or moving from one atria level to another is not like a graduation. Mm -hmm. It's not an accomplishment for mm -hmm. your child to be moving from level one to level two or move from the first plane to the second plane. It's not like the goal mm -hmm. to move them faster. Yes. In fact, Montessori goes so far as to say, if you move too quickly without completely experiencing and achieving all you can achieve in that plane and you move on to the next plane, your next experience will be lacking because you weren't solidly, yeah, solidly 
developed in the previous plane. So you don't want to rush it. You, you want to be very observant and, and look for signs from the child. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying, my child's six, I'm going to stay, keep him in level one right. one more year. That might be where that child is very comfortable. And it might be that after Christmas, that child is ready to move on. Right. <laughs> you know? right. It's not, doesn't happen nicely and neatly like the beginning and end of a school year. It's, it's developmental. The child is an organic being. So mm-hmm. that's where our powers of observation have to be really, really good. So we can see, oh, this child is different now. This child needs new things. Right. Right. And if that child who at six years old is does not seem to be quite ready to move to level two and you let them spend another semester or so in level one, I feel like that child is then better prepared. Just like what you said, Maria Montessori mm-hmm. quote mm-hmm. of the Maria Montessori quote. It, they're, they're now more foundationally prepared yes. to be in that next plane, be in that next level atria. Yes. And I think as adults, we have to trust the child. Yeah. That the child knows what is best for them, what they're ready for. Um, and, and you'll see signs if they're not ready. You know, they won't want to go. They'll be quiet or uncomfortable or not engaged. And then they go back to level one and they're comfortable again. And they're helping a younger child with something. And there's a smile on their face. You know, <laughs> it's, mm. it's uh, pretty, pretty uh, obvious if you know what to look for. And I think that we should work really hard to respect that and to trust the child that the child knows when it's time to move on. And uh, sometimes that's hard with parents, too, because they, they uh, uh, I want to say, especially if it's your first child and you're, you know, the, the parent of a first child is learning just like the child is learning, you know, you, mm-hmm. you don't have the experience that you might with uh, pre- other children. But um, you really just have to trust that the child knows what the child needs and, and just uh, be observant. Yeah. Yeah. That trust that is so important in this work. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's. I want to talk to you about the transitioning child. So the child that is ready to move, or maybe not ready to move. So that around six-ish child, mm-hmm. the around nine-ish child, mm-hmm. and around twelve. Mm-hmm. I feel like that child is a catechist that child has different needs mm-hmm. than the other children in the atrium they have different behaviors they have um different things that we need to be observing in yes. so tell us a little bit about who this child is who is this transitional child what characteristics do we see in them mm-hmm. well in order to notice a change we have to know be familiar with what the first plane child is like. Yeah. And so we want to remember basically, Montessori said they have an absorbent mind. So the environment is so important to them and they absorb everything in their environment in order to form themselves as a person. They want to know how to use the environment for their good. And the, the environment is very um, important to them in the sense that they know it so well that if you change even one little thing, they'll notice it right away, mm-hmm. so, right? So then all of a sudden, and we don't know when, we think around the age of six, um, the child moves from the absorbent mind to what Montessori called the reasoning mind. So instead of ordering their environment, they're going to order their thoughts. And so all of a sudden, and I used to see this when I was coordinating a CGS program, a, a level one catechist would come in and say to me, 
I, I don't know what to do with this child. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's asking me questions and he's more talkative and he always wants to work with his friends and he's he's not sitting quietly at the prayer table anymore. <laughs> you know, he used to be such a quiet child. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And and none of those things are bad. The child has just moved to the next plane of development and needs a different kind of environment in order to thrive. So, and isn't it interesting that the child is just doing naturally what it, it needs to do. It, it's grown up a little bit. It's changed from the egg to the larva, right? Right. <laughs> but right. unfortunately, in a human being, you know, you don't grow a third arm when you go in the second plane. <laughs> it's not so physically obvious. No. There are some <laughs> physical things, though, like the, their teeth start to fall out and they lose their baby fat and get kind of long and lanky. And um, uh, they get messier because they're not so concerned with ordering the environment, they're ordering their thoughts. So all of a sudden, when they used to keep their room or their toys so neat, now they're messy and you can't figure out why. Because mm -hmm. all their energy is going toward organizing their thoughts. So you, that's part of the observation thing uh, of being able to identify this second plane is, oh, you start to see these characteristics, that's your sign that your child has moved to the next plane. So it's time to give them something different to help them develop well. Mm-hmm. And what about the 9 and 12-year-old? Yeah, so the 9-year-old is very interesting, I think. After the age of 8, and usually a lot of times that corresponds with the celebration of the sacraments. And then they come back in. I, I think my experience with third-year level 2 kids is they come in and they, they're just almost bored. Yeah. Or it's, it's just like, uh, I'm used to this environment. There's not nothing new and exciting for me. And maybe I'll just kind of hang out until I can go to level three. You know? Right. And being around six-year-olds, I find like they're like, oh, look at all these little kids in here. You know, yeah, like kind of yeah. act like they're... Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's totally appropriate. That's exactly how they should behave. They're ready for more. Um, and then the 12-year-olds, they're thinking, well, you know, youth group sounds pretty good. I'd like to have <laughs> every Sunday and, you know... They, they're ready to be off with their friends. They want to invite a friend to come with them who's never come before. You know, they're, they're branching out or they think to themselves, I don't want to go to youth group. It's so noisy there. I want to stay mm -hmm. in each room another year. You know, so it, it's very interesting to see the dynamics, not only from the developmental plane, but also from the personality of the child. Right. I feel like as you get older, there is more variation Mm -hmm. in the characteristics that you're going to see in a 12-year-old than you will in a 6-year-old. It's yes. just, you know, we just deviate yes. the more we're exposed to in life. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh -huh. So this child that's transitioning potentially out of level 3, yeah, you're going to have a lot of variation in what you see mm -hmm. in those 12 years. Some are big. They look like teenagers and some are really uh -huh. small and yes. some are interested in the opposite sex or, you uh -huh. know, and some are not. And Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and all of that is great. All of that is as it should be. Yeah. So we, we just need to celebrate that, but also be be ready with some uh, some tools in our hip pockets, right, in right. order to, to keep the child uh, engaged in this life with God that we're able to share with them in the atrium. Okay, so what are some of those tools? How can we serve this child better? Yeah, well, should we start with the six? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the poor six. So, you know, sometimes you get a child who transitions the second plane and it's right after Christmas in the middle of your atrium year. 
and they come back and they're chatting with their friends and they're making all these tracing packets together and you know <laughs> they're just they're they're not the quiet kids so yeah they can almost some sometimes it's good if you have a mixed age group you can uh, think of them as your junior catechist so they can offer presentations they do well to younger children they they would be a lot more social and take a lot more leadership in the atrium session to the point where they might even want to choose uh, a song or a prayer card, or they might want to set up chairs around the prayer table for people to sit in. Um, they might want to champion the 10 minutes of cleanup before the end of the atrium session. You know, all of a sudden, it's mm-hmm. kind of nice because the catechist does less and less and the child does more and more. So <laughs> you can think of it that way. That might make it in a more appealing light, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to do everything anymore. You, you, um, you have helpers now. Yeah. But then they also need a different way of using the materials. So mm. you kind of, I think that they really like things like labeling. It kind of depends on what their reading skills are. They can either match the word or actually read the word. But I find that if you go back to those familiar things like the altar table or the geography work or the city of Jerusalem, and you have labels just with words on them that they could match to the chart on the wall. You know, they don't have to be dependent on you to say where the label goes. Yeah. say, here's some labels and see if you can label this work and let me know when you're done. I'd like to enjoy it with you. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, do they love that. That is really, and, and rightly so, because they're getting really good at starting to be able to read. So it, it meets their developmental need much more mm-hmm. than it would have before when they were just you were telling them the name of the article and setting it on the altar, and then they were, you know, following your lead. Now, now they can name it for themselves. They can label all of them, which is a big work, which is what those level two kids really like. Right, right. Another big work that I like to give six-year-olds or just older children in my level one atrium is to pinprick the regions map of the, oh the land of Israel. Yes. So we have construction paper for each of the four colors of mm-hmm. the four regions, and then they trace the region, like Judea, on the orange paper. Uh-huh. It's orange, right? I think it's orange. And then they sit there with the, the pinprick. Uh-huh. And, do it. and it takes a couple weeks, because like you said, that le- that second plain child wants bigger works that could yes. potentially take a couple of weeks. Yes. And that takes a long time. That's a great idea. So they use the puzzle map as their template? Yes. Uh-huh. Fabulous. Yes. I love that idea. Yeah. And so to us as adults, we would think, ooh, that's kind of boring, or that's not very challenging, or or are they really going to want to do that? And as you said, yes. <laughs> the big work is what they're after. What is the challenge that I have here? Because they want a challenge. They want to have to come back to it for several weeks. And I'm going to finish this. And then I'm going to make one for my friend. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, they just mm-hmm. love that big work. So yeah, I think that's a great idea, Carrie. Just look at what you have in level one and see how you can make it more challenging. Mm-hmm. Make it last longer. Look at the pieces a little more carefully. How can I how can I take this apart a little bit more and have them put it together a different way? Because mm. again, the repetition that's so important in level one, in level two, they don't like that repetition as much because it's not helping them learn a skill anymore. You know, right? I don't want to pour ten times in order to conquer the ability to pour. Right. But I still need that repetition. So you have to offer it in a different way. Right. So I yeah I love that idea that. 
That was a good idea, Carrie. <laughs> Somebody well, don't look me about it. It's not my idea. So, <laughs> uh, But it's the same thing with that nine-year-old child, too. They walk around yes. the level two atrium and they say, I've done all this. Yes. And we know they haven't. Yes. But they don't want to repeat. They right. don't want. And so you have to get kind of creative yes. to get them to put their hands on materials again. Yes. And, you know, um, Montessori says that this plane of development from six to 12, the, the children are acquiring culture. And she defines culture by teaching them the, about the world around them. Mm -hmm. She includes natural and social sciences and the arts as well. So I think for the nine-year-old child, if you can make the materials in level two grow to include m more scope of the world, mm. that that might be a, a way to entice them too. I was trying to think of examples before I knew we were going to do this podcast and I was thinking to myself, you know, how could you challenge them, say, with the maxims? Could they, could they envision a way to help people live the maxims no matter what culture they were in or where they lived in the world? Mm -hmm. What would be required no matter where you lived in the world in order to really live the great law? Mm -hmm. would, it, would it be different in different parts of the world? You know, that, that is sort of mind-boggling and you wouldn't even know where to start, but that's just the thing they would be really captivated by if it's a good fit. Yeah. You know, some kids are more interested in Bible study. Some kids are more interested in the geography work. Some kids are more interested in the moral life. So, you know, you have to know your child well. Hopefully you've had them the first two years in level two already. And then you just try to break it open even bigger and bigger. Um, the One of the great things about being a level two catechist is you need to have that language that's very enticing. Mm. So you want to invite them to think about, you know, I know you've looked at these maxims before, but I wonder how they would be lived in Africa. Would it be any different? Mm. You know, I like would that. People, how would they love, how would you love your enemy if you lived, I don't know, in Australia? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that would be something they would have to think and talk about. I also think that um, salvation history chart, we forget about that, but that is a really, really great resource for that third-year child. I think, number one, just for them to make their own, but also to notice that it delineates the Old Testament and the New Testament within salvation history. And so I wonder if they could think more about the Bible and relating it to the history of the kingdom of God, but but looking at Old and New Testament. And we don't do a lot of Old Testament yet. You know, most of that's level three. But if it's a nine-year-old that's getting ready to go into level three, you might be able to use that as a kind of enticement too. Mm -hmm. like pretty soon you'll be reading a lot about the Old Testament. I wonder if you want to get to know it a little better before you start. Yeah. You know, and, and how you might do that. So mm. a lot of that is not necessarily written on an album page. <laughs> right. You know, it's just that it's kind of breaking it open wider, 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 remembering the level two child is like a spider on a spider web, right? Montessori says they want the entire universe. You know, <laughs> you think of that contrast between the spider and the web. And, and so try to give them more and more and more of a scope of looking at the world, looking at the history of the kingdom of God. I also love those questions after you offer a presentation when you say something like, uh, what does this tell us about the history of the kingdom of God? Or what does this mm. tell us about how God works? You know, those wide open questions where they, they just kind of look at you like, hmm. <laughs> they, have to, they sit for a minute and then they start talking about it. It's, it's that kind of a 
that moment of hmm, when you know that the gears in their head are turning, right? And they're, they're right. thinking, how would I answer this question? That, that's, I think, what our, our real invitation is to try to have the nine-year-old get those moments of even further work. I remember a, a boy I had who decided he was going to draw, I think he called it the, the highway to heaven. <laughs> and so along the way, it was almost like he had, he drew it on a big piece of paper and he had these little, almost that looked like stalls or food trucks or something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and they had these different topics and uh, he'd show it to me and then we'd talk about something else. And I'd, I'd think to myself, well, he doesn't have much on the moral life here. How might he bring that in? So then I'd ask him a question that I thought might lead him to that. Um, so it was very interesting. It took a long time. And I don't know if he actually ever felt like he finished it or not, but it, he had a lot of good conversations off of that, traveling that road. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And that really points out with this age child that they, they're they connecting, they're synthesizing yes, so exactly. much more. So asking yes. these kind of open-ended questions that help them think of connecting the what we just talked about to something we have talked about before. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think synthesizing is really underused in a lot of our atria. Yeah. And I think we need to remember that that's a skill that these level two kids can really, really get very good at. And sometimes it, when you look at it, uh, say on your album page, you're going to do the synthesis of the infancy narratives. And you might not want to pull out all six at the beginning. You know, you might want to start with just two. Yeah. And see how good they are at it. Because I think for some kids, it's it's a skill they haven't been asked to use anywhere else. So they don't have it developed very well yet. But mm. the potential is there. So if you maybe just start with two or start with three and then keep adding and then um, start with another subject. You know, we're going to synthesize the kingdom parables, but we want to do it with items in the atrium, not with mm -hmm. the not with mm -hmm. the scripture booklets. So how would we do that? And, you know, it, it just enough to leave it open-ended that they have to think about it and talk about it and work on it together. I remember a, a children doing a, a synthesis work in level two, and I think it was about the history of the kingdom of God. And they laid out all these mats, they're collecting all these different things from the atrium. And finally, one of the boys sat down on one of the mats. And one of the other children said, you don't sit on the mat. Those are for materials. And he says, well, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. <laughs> so, Love it. Yeah, yeah. And that was great. And he came to that on his own. And that, you know, more conversation, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is just what you want. So, but Yeah, that's exactly what we want. That's the goal, right? Is mm -hmm. to get them to think mm -hmm. and talk. Absolutely. And to Which talk is with different one another. than level one. Yeah, so. yeah. And we don't need to do that much. It's real easy to just step back, you know. Yeah. And don't forget that you still want to do a lot of observation in level two. So just get them started and then sit back and, you know, don't don't be a crutch for them. Let them let them do the work. Just get them started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about the 12-year-old? Do you oh, have the, the same? What do you see in a 12-year-old? Do you see that same antsiness that you see with a nine-year-old? You know, they're funny. Sometimes they're, they've just gotten so, so comfortable and the atrium is their place you know, and they, and they know, and then they, they're really strong in their communal prayer and they, they know how to read their Bible well and they, they want more grown up topics. They want more grown up conversation. I say grown up and I, <laughs> I well, I say grown up because it's a puzzle to me. I have had conversations in level three where I, uh, you know, we've been reading a typology or something, and and 
I finish the atrium session, I clean up, I leave, I go get in my car in the parking lot, I sit down and I think to myself, okay, those kids were nine to 12 year old. <laughs> they were not adults, but the conversation was as if it, they were adults. It was so good, so deep, so honest. Um, wow, I just love that about them. Uh, they, they are not afraid to really work to figure out what scripture is trying to say and how to live their lives in the kingdom. Mm. It's just tremendous. I just love that about them. Six to nines are too, but it just seems to get better and better, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think we mentioned earlier that some kids really want to stay and have a fourth year of level three. I haven't finished all the materials yet. You know, can yeah. I stay another year? Um, some kids are just so ready to go J high and Sunday <laughs> nights with the youth group, you know, if that you've got that at your parish. So again, you want to observe those needs in them and, and respect those needs. I, I think it's really hard to define it for the 12 year olds because it really depends a lot on your faith community. Yeah. What you offer, who you are, what your parishioners are like, what they're willing to do with the youth. You know, it, it could vary a lot. But hopefully they're getting out into the wider world. I, I have had some kids come back and assist in a level two or a level one atrium after they've, quote, you know, graduated or left mm -hmm. CGS, mm -hmm. which I think is wonderful. Um, if they want to, you know, if they want to, then there certainly is not a requirement. But Well, I love this idea of uh, Montessori talked about the parallel planes. Uh -huh. So you have these kids who have moved out of level three. They're in that the 12 to 15 age. Yes. And there Montessori talks about 12 to 15 being parallel to the zero to three year olds. Yes. So they would actually make really great assistance for your infant toddler atrium. Uh -huh. And then your 15 to 18 year old is a parallel plane to the three to six. And I can't tell you how this knowledge has changed me as a mother because I look at my teenage daughter so differently now that I, yes. now that I like see, like we know I have, I know all the characteristics of a three to six year old and I, I see some of them in my, my 15 to 18 year old yes. child that's in that plane. And I'm like, okay, it's just a plane. <laughs> just a stage of development <laughs> you know like it yes. was freeing to me but the 15 to 18 year old that age child makes a really great catechist or mm -hmm. assistant catechist mm -hmm. for the level one atrium because yes. they are parallel they get each other they're yes. parallel planes yes isn't that beautiful it's great it's i love that information plus a lot of times they usually need some kind of service hours around that age yeah so yeah what better than to come and be yeah. in the atrium. And, and then, you know, those are those essential presentations and they're getting them indirectly, but hearing them once again with these older ears and minds and hearts. And how beautiful is that? Right. To, right. to have those um, reinforced, if you will, or, or offered again at this different stage. And it's mm -hmm. just beautiful. I, I think it's a, such a gift. We, I've had some uh, young women that have been wanting to become catechists and actually take formation at that age, right. too, which is a very interesting experience. I felt partly bad for them because I thought we really haven't tailored formation for teenagers. You know, it's, they're sitting there receiving it in an adult form and it's not the best, but you know, that's all we've got. So <laughs> yeah. it was funny because I remember one group, especially they were, would always sit in their own table and they would never mix with the older adults, of course, because they were you know, had their right. friends and wanted right. to chat. But whenever the group 
as a whole was stumped on a direct aim, you know who got it, were the teenagers. That's interesting. And so to your point, right? They're so essential. There's, they're that three to six-year-old again, just in an older body mm. in a different way, but in a way they're the same. And they, they go to the heart of the matter in a beautiful way. So yeah, I thought mm-hmm. that was fascinating. <laughs> that is fascinating. That is so yeah. fascinating. There's there's definitely more to explore there in yes. adolescence and in and, and our work in Catechesis of the Good Absolutely. Shepherd. I, I can't wait to read and learn from other people who experiment with that work. So Oh, I know. Yeah. There's so much mm. potential there. Yeah, there really is. It's exciting. Yes. So Diane, is there anything else that you want to say before we finish today? Well, I thought it was interesting if uh, when I was reading that Four Planes of Education that I mentioned earlier in the talk, yeah, th- when she talked about how you really had to live the plane you were in well in order to do well in the plane you're about to move into. Mm-hmm. And she actually goes to the point of saying, you might know adults that are very much like a three to six-year-old. <laughs> you know, They like their environment neat. They like things simple, you know. They, it was just so startling. She says, so these people really never lived that plane well, and now this is where they're at. And then she oh, says the same thing with the second plane. And I thought, wow, that is so interesting. And so that is what very is, interesting. What is the goal, right? And so at the end of this paper, she says, uh, we must take man himself, take him with patience and confidence across all the planes of education. We must put everything before him, the school, culture, religion, the world itself. We must help him to develop within himself that which will make him capable of understanding. It is not merely words, it is a labor of education. This will be a preparation for peace. For peace cannot exist without justice and without men endowed with a strong conscience and personality. Mm. Now, I really wanted to lift that up for catechists and parents this is hard work. It asks a lot of us, and, and to what end? And so I wanted to give you those words of Montessori just to realize that we're building a culture of peace. If we can build children well and give them what they need in each of these stages, they will grow up to be peaceful, just, endowed with a strong conscience and personality. Mm. So we got to hang in there. It's a long, hard work, but it's yeah. so worth it. <laughs> Yeah. Send me that. Send me that. And I will make sure that that quote is in our show notes so that if anybody wants to read it with their eyes, okay, um, they can sit with it a little bit longer because there's a lot. There's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good to have that that long term goal. Right. Right. What, what are and we the doing? Big vision. It's because this, this is tough, <laughs> but it's a great work. <laughs> yes. Yes. World peace. Mm, that's big. Mm hmm. Well, thank you, Diane. Thank you so much for joining us again. Well, thank you for having me. It's always so much fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy it too. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. In our show notes, you will find the quote that Diane just read for us. So if you would like to read it, I also put a link to the book, The Four Planes of Education by Maria Montessori that the quote is from if you would like to purchase it from a Montessori source. It is there for you. I also have links in our show notes to past episodes that we have had Diane 
on the podcast with us. So if you would like to hear more of Diane's amazing wisdom, go check out those past episodes. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We would like to thank all our contributing members because you are making this podcast possible. If you would like to know more about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.